Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. look at a bridge, there's this foundation to call an abutment. And in that abutment, um, I look at it, if you didn't have that abutment, it would, the, the bridge would crash. And so what the bridge has to be in this work of racial reconciliation, it has to be the message of Jesus. And, and, and it has to be built on that. And because without that, it's going to collapse. Hello and welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons for this weekend. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio with Gabe. And, you know, we live in such a divided society. Lately, we've seen it played out around the coronavirus. How people feel about how quickly to reopen various businesses and activities seems largely based on where you land on the political divide. I was initially going to say spectrum, but increasingly, there's more polarizing with a huge gap in the middle. And to be honest, there's not a lot of communication between these opposite camps. Mind you, politics isn't the only place we see huge gaps. There are many other areas where there are gaps in understanding and beliefs around many issues. For example, our racial divide, especially how people who are different ethnically and culturally can look at the same event but come away thinking so differently. But there are those who are working hard to stand in the divide and to build bridges of understanding to help both sides deal with their misperceptions of the other. And when it comes to the racial divide in our country, Gabe, you've been working with many of these bridge builders. We decided this week we wanted to feature one of the talks from Q2018 that continued a discussion around what does it look like to build bridges ethnically between people who are of different races, different socioeconomic divides, anyone who sees themselves as on polar opposite places, whether it's politically or maybe just culturally, how do we build bridges? Well, the person we invited to do that was Tasha Morrison. She is a bridge builder. She actually started an organization called Be the Bridge. And in addition to that, began creating curriculums and creating small group environments that allow people to come together in groups and actually have conversations with those who may look different than them and think different than them. And so I sat down with Tasha at Q and I interviewed her specifically asking her to help us better understand what are some of the reasons people are fearful? Why, why do they not engage with people who are different than them? And how can we change that? How can we as the church be a part of that? Yeah, let's listen to that conversation you had with Latasha Morrison right now on Q Ideas. We're going to keep this conversation going because it's such an important one. And I've invited my friend Tasha to join us, who founded something called Be the Bridge. She lives in Atlanta. And part of Tasha's mission and calling in life, really, at this stage, has been to be practical. Right. Because we get into these conversations about race and division. And, and you know, I see people get stuck and, and lots of times just not know what to do. Right. And they, they're scared they're going to say the wrong thing. So they just don't reach out. They don't try. They don't invite the family over for dinner that they really should be spending more time with. 
how do you help people think through getting unstuck when they're feeling kind of like, I don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed by all this information and education, but what yeah. do I do? Yeah, we, you know, with Be The Bridge, we want to tool people to have a distinct and transformative, you know, voice in this work of racial healing. And one of the things is you can't lead people where you're not willing to go yourself personally. And so I believe that this work starts first in your home, in your heart. You know, some of the practical things is educating yourself on the issue, you know, and so picking up a book. That's real simple to do, um, you know. I know for me, a couple of my <laughs> friends, a couple of years ago when I was just trying to understand the story that I didn't understand, it was right. the warmth of other suns. Oh, yeah, that's the book. As a story of the migration from the South, a couple of friends just said, read this book and it'll help you understand. And it really right. did give me this, the storylines of different people that I, right. I really would have never understood Jim Crow as well right. and how that's perpetuated throughout this last century. So. I'm sorry, but no, that's, that's, that's a great, you know, that's what books do. And they tell the story because so much of our upbringing and our education system, we have to realize that strategically a lot has been left out of the books. And so that's what a lot of people don't understand. They right. don't understand what's broken and why it's been broken. And I think when you start picking up a book, you start to have a common history and a common memory. And so as you're reading, like, Warmth of Other Sons, you start understanding how blacks from the South ended up in the um, northern states. So how people migrated to California, how they migrated to Chicago, and what they met, the difficulties they met there, where in the South we call it Jim Crow, but really in the North it was called James Crow. And so a lot of times people thought they were escaping racism in the South, but they were just going to another area of the country and racism was another by another name in that yeah. sense. And so that's important. You know, history is important because in history there's truth. And so we really have to understand the basis for bridge building is truth telling. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand our historical truth. Telling the truth. You can't work towards reconciliation if the truth isn't on the table about what actually happened and everybody acknowledges it. But what have been the best practices, again, practically, like if I go home and I'm talking to my 17, 15-year-old, 12-year-old child, you know, tonight and saying, as a family, we want to be practically doing more in this Mm -hmm. area to be bridge builders. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you found are effective? I'll give you just some practical things where if some of you who are in here, if you took out your phones right now, and you look through your contacts, and you can do that while I'm talking. I'm giving permission right, for people to look at phones. their phones. <laughs> but if you look, looked at your contacts, does everyone in your contacts look like you? Mm-hmm. You know, if you were planning a party, you know, who would you invite to that party, and what would they look like? Um, if you look at your Instagram, you know, those are just practical things just for you and the audience. If you're saying you want to be a part of the solution and you want to be a part of this work, it starts with you. So you look at your Instagram. And not who's following you, but who are you following? Yeah, Twitter, same you thing, know, right? Same what thing, you know, what, you yeah, what voices are you listening to? And so I think that those are some practical things that, mm-hmm. you know, that you can do um, just by shifting that, yeah. you know, just, you know, making sure that you're hearing from other people, you're di- diversifying your surroundings. Yeah. You know, that's just one part of it. Yeah. One of the things uh, in a recent New York Times article, I think a lot of people read that was kind of evaluating how... Uh, it was a church in Dallas was kind of the main focus of it and how African-Americans were feeling in the midst of this congregation. And I thought that the, the really important point that came out was that so many African-Americans in majority white churches 
really just feel tired and brokenhearted. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not even like angry. It's yeah. not even like we're mad. You guys are doing yeah. it wrong. It's, it's like this sense of just kind of worn out of, of yeah. continuing to try to tell the same story, but not necessarily seeing outcomes. Yeah. Um, would you say that's true in your own experience? I was interviewed for that piece also. Okay. So um, this is a lifestyle that we're talking about. So this is not something that we check off a box. This is not something that's trending right now. This is a problem that has been around. And so what I'm trying to do in this work is have lifestyle transformation. So this is something that I've signed up for for life until Jesus comes, you know? And so, and so I think you have to go into it that knowing that there's no end, I may never see Mm. complete restoration in this area, but I'm laying the foundation for those after me um, to come behind and finish that work. And so I'm living off of someone else's commitment. You know, um, Mm -hmm. we're living off someone else's commitment to this work. And so I want to do my part in it. But I would say with the, this work of bridge building right now is very difficult for um, people of color. And specifically, I can speak from an African-American standpoint, um, that of an African-American. It's very hard to recruit people to be a part of this conversation right now. Um, The last two years have been very difficult. People are weary. People are tired. And, um, you know, just recently I, I saw something where it said, you know, in this work of bridge building sounds great. Sounds, you know, Mm kind of like a a sexy topic in a Mm -hmm. sense until that bridge is built on your back. Yeah. And so if we know about anything about bridge building, um, you get walked on from both sides, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a foundation. When you look at a bridge, there's this foundation to call an abutment. And in that abutment, um, I look at it. If you didn't have that abutment, it would, the, the bridge would crash. Yeah. And so what the bridge has to be in this work of racial reconciliation, it has to be the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it has to be built on that. Yeah. And because without that, it's going to collapse. And right. so for me, we, you know, I tell people when you're weary, you know, <laughs> take a time out. Yeah. You know, pause, you know, um, go do what you need to do for self-care. But we want everyone to be a part of the conversation, yeah. but everyone's not going to be a part of the conversation. And right. we're not a monolithic group as right. people of color. Right. So you're going to meet people of color that don't want to be in your Be The Bridge group. <laughs> They don't want to talk about race with a white person, you know, um, because maybe they've been harmed or they don't know what to expect. They don't know your intentions. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that. So it's not just about having one friend. Nobody wants to be your one friend. Okay, that's that's very burdensome. Look, yeah. and all the people of color said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you you want to have multiple friends because you're going to get multiple perspectives, because right. how I grew up is different from how some of my friends grew up. I grew yeah. up in the suburbs, yeah. you know, but I don't. You know, although the inner city wasn't my experience, I can relate yeah. and not deny that inner city experience. Right. So it's not my story. But it's their story, therefore it's also my story. Well, I want to thank you for two things. One, you just mentioned, you know, the way this ultimately happens is understanding the power of Jesus to transform. There's so many cultural issues, I think, Mm -hmm. we come into. And I know I've been a party to this at times where we try to really smartly, strategically figure out how we're going to do it. And we don't invite Jesus in to do what Jesus can only do. And just acknowledging that in this conversation is so important in every conversation. but But I appreciate you leading with that and saying yeah. that we, we know that 
Um, but two, thank you for stepping out and leading in this because mm-hmm. I have many black friends mm-hmm. who feel called to bridge build. Mm-hmm. They're tired. Yeah. It's hard work. You step into a lot of majority white spaces and you're yeah. trying to educate them on a history that you wish they just understood, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And that takes courage like day in and day out. And I know you get tired. Yeah. And I just thank you for doing it because yeah. from a white man mm-hmm. who's had friends who've been called to bridge build, it's, right. it's absolutely transformed mm-hmm. my worldview and my understanding. But it's mm-hmm. been through that patience and right. that commitment. Um, so thank you for that. And, and I want to also just for a moment be the bridge. How can church leaders here get involved if they want to, because you have an opportunity in a way that people here can take this up in their churches and start groups. Will you just tell us a little bit about that for a second? Yeah, one of the things that we created, and this came from my personal life, um, just seeing the the vision um, and seeing the hurt um, and realizing, seeing that in the world, but also looking to the church for an answer. And the church was not just complicit with what the brokenness, but a part of the church created the infrastructure for what we're seeing now. And so therefore, if we created the infrastructure, we have to be a part of the solution. And so this was me, you know, wanting to create a conversation on how can we on-ramp people into this conversation. Um, There's a lot of conversations that we've had over the last two days, and some of those conversations are what I call a 301 and 401 level. Um, But some of us in this room, you're at a 101 level. You're just getting started. You're trying to understand um, and so that's what Be The Bridge does. We, cre- we create materials and resources um, to start having these conversations. And so on our website, bethebridge.com, you can download the guide. As, um, we call it the guide 2.0. And then also for my white brothers and sisters that are here, we have a, a tool just for you to start understanding. We use a lot of terminology here. You it's know. like a remedial yeah, tool it's, for it, the well, white folks. Really, it's not really remedial, <laughs> um, but it's gloss, a glossary so we can have the same language. So a lot of times we use words like race and racism and white supremacy and you guys have no understanding. You're thinking I'm calling you a white supremacist when I'm not. I'm talking about a system. Yeah. And, um, and so what we we have is a guide um, that specializes in the four W's, I call it, and that is white supremacy, um, white um, identity, um, white fragility, and white privilege. And it breaks it down and gives you an understanding. So you can do that yeah. with, if you don't have any friends of color, you can do that particular guide um, with a group of um, your white brothers and sisters and start really deconstructing and dismantling some of these things that you don't quite understand. Yeah. Um, and then um, you can start a group with another person of color, um, find someone. Um, hopefully they're not running from you, but maybe they are. So if they are running from you, just stay with the whiteness one-on-one. They will come. Pray them pray them into assistance. Yeah. Wow. You know? So those are some of the things, uh, ways that you can engage um, with, with the conversation. You can follow us on social media um, and, you know, and all that. Well, let's thank Tasha for sharing with us and providing practical resources. Thank you, Tasha. Thank you so I hope you enjoyed hearing Tasha. I thought just one of the things that jumped out at me that she said in this conversations was that the basis for bridge building is truth telling. And, and I know that can almost seem problematic. If we tell what we really think, if we really tell the truth, then maybe I'll offend people. And I don't think what Tasha meant was we're going around just trying to tell everybody what we believe, but it was more the sense 
that we have to start with the basis of truth of our history of understanding what's taken place before the moment that we find ourselves in. And when we understand the truth, it truly sets us free when we can have real respectful conversations with friends. I know for me, that has been the total difference maker when it's come to my own understanding of racism, of the stories that I never heard growing up, that I didn't understand, but now I do because I've had good friends come alongside me that were not white, that were African-American, who were willing to listen to some of my dumb questions, willing to have conversations that they're frankly tired of having because they wish people could just learn and understand. Gabe, uh, amazingly, I think that not only is it great that you've had a lot of these hard, dare I say, raw conversations privately with these friends of yours, but you've had some of these on stage at various Q events. Uh, we have some time this week, so I want to take us back to a conversation you had with hip-hop artist Lecrae. This happened after the fatal shooting of Michael Brown and Ferguson and some other events. Lecrae was a rising star in the music world at the time and on social media tried to draw attention to the situation from the perspective of an African-American who had been brutalized by police himself. And he faced a lot of pushback. But... At the Q Conference, you were guiding others on how to lean in and listen well. So let's listen to a portion of that conversation now here on Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Well, Lecrae, I think um, this is something heavy on people's hearts. It's heavy on people's minds. You've been thinking about it a lot longer than a lot of people probably even listening tonight um when you first sensed and knew after ferguson that this was erupting um you know i remember you you uh, tried to talk to some of your christian community to say hey guys something's happening here what are we going to do about this can you just kind of walk us through what your experience was like as a black man trying to engage this topic for the first time yeah um you know so historically obviously I, i come from a pretty traditional african american family background, um, you know, found my faith, found a lot of uh, embrace and support within uh, white evangelicalism and and those particular circles, and uh, never really had much of a rub, never really had much of a conflict. People enjoyed my music, asked me to be a part of their conferences and everything else that was going on. And then in 2014, after the the death of Michael Brown, um, I had some some concerns and some thoughts and some some things that I pointed out and the same love support and kind of uh you know cheering on that I had been consistently hearing turned into you know uh a visceral frustration and uh and people just did not understand why I was quote unquote rocking the boat and I and I think um, I just wanted you to like stay in your zone stay in your lane yeah stay in your lane don't talk about this stuff let's, let's, let's not talk about that and I think for a lot of them um, you know, we, we talked about it earlier for a lot of them, they wanted me to keep the peace and I'm more concerned with making peace and making peace mm-hmm. causes us to disrupt some things. Yeah. Uh, keeping peace causes us to kind of keep a lid on stuff and let it kind of dissipate. But right. it wasn't as if I was trying to create something. It was, I was trying to expose what was yeah. already created. Now you've gone out actually in protest. You've been on the street, you've marched, yep. you've said, look, this is important and our voices need to be heard. For people who don't quite understand, like, why is protest so important? Well, um, and, and I think there needs to be a distinction between protest and riot, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're not the same thing. Martin Luther King once said riots are the voices of the unheard. And I think that those are people who don't know how else to express their pain or their frustration. Um, but, the, but a protest uh, 
is a way to say um, that I, I see something unjust and I'm taking a stand against what I see is, is unjust. And, um, and I think when you want to see change in society, there's policy, there's publicity, there's programs. For a believer, there's prayer. Um, and part of that publicity is protesting, right? Part of that is making noise and saying we're discontent with what's happening right now. Yeah, well, yeah. I know... Um, there's a lot of people that have watched this happen over the last two years, and, and many times it's white people. Sure. And let's just be real. They, they look at the situation, they watch the videos, they go, man, if, if that person would have just respected the law officers, if they would have just done what they were told to do, this right. whole thing could have been avoided. But right. tell us more about what is the history between law enforcement and the African-American community that actually creates the tension that we're now sure. seeing flare up? Yeah, I think we are all... Um confined to our experiences and our education and uh and so um the experience for african americans in the law enforcement is a, is a long standing one actually policing in america began um on slave plantations and uh the law enforcement was put there to make sure that slaves did not run away uh and to make sure that an example was made for anyone who tried to escape and who tried to uh you know veer off from doing what the their owners told them to do and that was how the whole establishment came to be uh within the south and and so for you know centuries after it was kind of a, a, a in an infrastructure that was a fraternity of sorts for only uh white males to be in control and um and so african-americans weren't even allowed to have any kind of influence or say or sway in that whole situation and so, like I was saying, we're all confined to our experiences. And so most people, especially like my white friends, they've never had a negative experience with police. They're, they know police officers. Police officers protect. They serve. They stand up for their rights. And so uh, they would have a critique on my perception right. of the infrastructure being fractured and the system being flawed uh, when my experience would be vastly different from yeah. their experience, uh, whereas I myself has been a victim of police brutality. I've been a victim of discrimination uh, by police and um, and so th th there's going to be varying, varying perspectives based off of your confined experience. Now, Gabe, I want to personally thank you for staying at this, for engaging in conversations like this. But more so, as you mentioned already, thanks to the people like Lecrae and others who at one level are so tired of having to explain to others their pain. Frankly, you got to think that when they engage like Lecrae did, it drudges up so much hurt. It's got to be difficult. It's very difficult work. The work that Tasha does, I think of friends like David Bailey. I think of Jason Petty, propaganda, doing this kind of work, just trying to bring communities together. And so in that work, let's be praying for these leaders. Let's make sure you're being that kind of leader. You know, we give you an opportunity every fall to be this kind of a leader, somebody in your community that builds bridges, that actually puts people in a room together, that probably otherwise would never find one another. It's called Q Commons. And we created Q Commons as a way, one evening out of the year, you dedicate two hours where you're going to actually host a conversation in your church or in your city, where you're going to hear talks from a variety of perspectives. You're going to hear a broadcast of talks from Q. You also have the opportunity to host and commission local talks that deal with issues that could build bridges in your community, 
And in 2020, even amid the pandemic, we are still hoping to be bridge building and hope you would consider joining with Q this fall on October 29th in leading a local Q Commons event in your city. We're still getting information ready at QCommons.com, but during these difficult times and during this time of such great division, there is great opportunity for us as the Church of Jesus. What if we as the church became this beacon of light, that we were the ones bringing hope, that we were the ones creating space where people could come together, could find one another again, could stop, put their phones down, actually listen to one another and try to learn and try to understand. We believe Christians should be leading the way in this. And so the best way you can contribute to that is by creating an evening that you could host where you could bring all the Christians together in your church maybe, or possibly it's hosting it in a public space in your city. We invite Christians and non-Christians alike to engage some really important talks, to hear some important stories about how we can be a part of solving problems in our community together. And so I hope you'll consider joining with us. You can learn more about that at qcommons.com. So when you go to qcommons.com, you can see there's multiple ways you can host. But we're just saying, look, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've been kind of consuming these ideas, if you've been listening to these, it's been shaping your mind, what would it look like for you to start giving that away? What would it look like for you to create space where others now could benefit from what you've learned from Q by you taking action? And that can be as simple as you getting a leader in your church involved, or maybe you feel the calling that this is an opportunity you need to lead on. You need to carve out some time in the next few months to really initiate leading this type of conversation. I know in American culture, there'll be an election right around the corner. That's a time where there's a lot of division. There's a lot of news media. There's a lot of politicalization of so many ideas that sometimes don't always help us. And so this will be an opportunity to be an antidote to that, where you're bringing people together, maybe from different political parties or no political party at all, to say, hey, what can we do together? How can we not just rely on whatever our vote is in November to solve the issues in our city, our community, our state, uh, the social issues we're dealing with, how we connect and deal with the poor, how we solve creative problems in our education system, on and on and on. But what if you were creating that space? What if you were the one leading that in your city? Well, reach out to us. Let us know. We want to help you. We want to support you. We try to make this as turnkey as possible, but we're just looking for leaders who feel called to do this kind of work, and then we'll help you do it. Again, Q Commons, Thursday night, October 29th. To learn more about hosting a Q Commons event in your city, visit QCommons.com. That's Q Ideas with Gabe Lines for this week. We'll see you next time. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.